Hey everybody, and uh, welcome back to another exciting episode of Horror Film Lovers. I'm your host, Jonathan Mitty. I'm here with my co-host... Michael McGlynn! <laughs> Michael McGlynn is back! Uh, so we just did Abbott and Costello Me Frankenstein, which was his pick, and uh, I'm excited to see what he picks for next month. Um, you know, but for me, I had to go sort of with the thing that we already did. We did House of Wax before for me. And uh, I wanted to continue the tradition. This box set right here I've got of House of Wax, uh, Return of Haunted, uh, Return of the House on Hunt Hill, which is a really hard, you know, name to say, and Ghost Ship. And so I had to do Ghost Ship. Uh, we'll eventually do House on Haunted Hill. Uh, I would have to do Return of House on Haunted Hill. I think that's 2000. Um. But anyway, I think they're all produced by Warner Brothers. Yeah, and they're all done by uh, Dark Castle Entertainment, I believe. Yeah. Um, and you might know Dark Castle as like Robert Zemeckis and um, I forgot who else. Uh, somebody oh. else big. Um, you know, Dark Castle handled a lot of uh, really good horror movies. Uh, I remember because I, I watched Ghost Ship again last night when I saw Insignia. And I always got a little warm fuzzy fuzz. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I remember these guys. They usually put out really good stuff. You were saying there's another ghost ship movie out there? Oh, uh, well, there was like a, another one. Uh, I didn't get to check it out, uh, but uh, but when I when I looked up ghost ship on my uh, on my uh, Roku, it gave me a couple of choices, and uh, one of them it looked like another ghost ship movie, but it wasn't the same one. Um, at first, I thought, well, maybe it's that one that had uh, that one uh, gentleman from uh, the Naked Gun in it. Um, uh, it was a really old school movie. Uh, not Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, yeah, no, not not Leslie Nielsen, but his partner, uh, not um, uh, uh, O.J. Simpson. Yeah, it's not O.J. Simpson, but but the older white haired gentleman. Uh, he was also in Creep Show. Uh, yeah, I know, I know who you're talking. About. God, why am I blanking on his name? Yeah, I, I'm normally pretty good at that. Um, uh, I uh, um. Good God, uh, the name is like in the back of my head. George Kennedy. Oh yeah, yeah. And so George Kennedy spent a lot of horror films, by the way. Like I was surprised he was in a he was in a slasher film. I I know. Um. Uh. What was that? Sands of. He was in a movie called Sands of Oblivion. I didn't know that. Hmm. Um. Looks terrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, I bet he's the best part of that movie. He was in an 80s horror slasher film. Um, well, he was in Uninvited. Oh, you know, yeah. Which is a classic. Uh, Creepshow 2 is what you were saying. Um, and he was in the Delta Force. That's funny. Um, <laughs> with uh, Mr. Chuck Norris there. Um, just before dawn. That's the one I was thinking of. Yes, yes, I do remember that one. He uh, he played the local ranger. Uh, yeah, to help the kids. Like I actually just watched that one recently. I think it was on uh, Shutter. Actually, yeah, I think I own it. I own it, and I I really liked it. I I bought it without having seen it from like Code Red Pictures, you know, and was like, mm -hmm. I don't know if this is even good or not, but uh, people seem to like it, so. And I think it'll be eventually on 80s horror films at some point, you know, um, especially because Rebecca uh, Reinhardt loves 
that like time period of uh, or those kind of slashers? I mean, how can you not? I mean, like there, it's just such a breath. Of, I mean, even like the lower independent ones were still really, really good. I mean, that was like at a time when independent films were really kind of making a mark on uh, the horror industry and letting everyone know that, that you didn't need to be a big production to make something good. Right. Um, and then they sort of, it's sort of just like anything sort of got oversaturated in the mm -hmm. market. Just like right now is even worse because anybody can pick up and make a movie. So like, you know, pick up a camera and make a movie. So uh, the Tubi is flooded with, uh, with movies and, um, and, uh, and stuff from low budget filmmakers who are just out there making their movies. And sometimes they're not the greatest and sometimes <laughs> They're gems, you know, that you you weren't expecting. So, you know, um, but the ones that aren't that great sometimes end up on Indie Film Cafe. So there you go. All comes <laughs> full circle. Um, so to, so to go to Ghost Ship, I had actually never seen this movie before. I'd only seen the opening, you know. Oh, um, opening. Oh, great. Best, yeah, somebody had said this is the best opening to a horror film ever on YouTube. And so I saw that. And then they said this was Ghost Ship, and I was like, "Great!" Then I heard people in the comments go, "The rest of the movie is not that great, but the opening is fantastic," which I disagree with. Um, uh, with I, I enjoyed the movie, the the full movie of it. Um, so let me see if I can find a uh, like a, a synopsis of it, you know, real quick uh, from like I. Uh, IMDb. So, uh, in uh, let's see, after discovering a passenger ship missing since 1962, floating adrift on the Bering Sea, salvagers claim the vessel as their own. Once they begin towing the ghost ship toward harbor, a series of bizarre occurrences happen, and the group becomes trapped inside the ship, which they soon learn is inhabited by a demonic creature. That's Pretty much the movie in a nutshell, you know, yeah. you know, the movie in the nutshell, trying to get out of the nutshell. Um, that's it. <laughs> you know, that was from, right? Austin Powers. Hell yeah. There you go. Uh, one of the best parts. Oh, I'm stuck in a nutshell. It's me in a nutshell. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. It's uh, I mean, it, it's, not, it's not the greatest. In fact, I like House of Wax better. You know, um, I th I think the only thing I had a problem with, other than the ending, which we'll talk about later, and I had a real big problem with that. That ruined the whole movie for me, in fact. And I have a I thing where I've said this to people. Be careful when you write your movies, because the first five minutes and the last five minutes or ten minutes or whatever – but have to be inner, you know, have to be great because those the first 10 minutes have to be great because that's the first thing people see before they decide whether or not they're going to turn your movie off. You know, sometimes you only get five minutes, especially in the world of streaming where anybody can watch anything. So if your movie does not catch somebody's attention, they can just turn it off. Right. Um, like the old days when you used to go to the review store rent it, even if it wasn't that good, you're like, you know what? I already paid the money. I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm going to sit here and watch this thing, even if it is awful. <laughs> well, even I wouldn't do that. I mean, 
that's usually why I picked the movies that I didn't know if they were going to be any good on like Tuesdays two for 99 cents or something, you know, that we had our video store. Um, so they like two, uh, two movies for basically 50 cents a piece, you know, was, you know, I could, I, I usually rented way too many movies because of that. I was like, I could get $5 worth. And I'm like, wait, I don't have time for a whole week to watch all these things. You know, um, I'm not, who am I? Roger Ebert. Come on now. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how he has time to watch all of them that he does. But anyway, or how he had, sorry, had. Um, so anyway, uh, the first, I, I, you know, so the first five, 10 minutes is what you see. Last five, 10 minutes is what people remember after they've seen the movie, you know, because even if you've seen like a movie for two hours long, especially seeing a Marvel movie, that ending better fucking you deliver. know deliver because otherwise people are gonna go around and say that movie sucked because the ending sucked. Um so and I have a problem with the ending of this movie. Um last like minute. You know, and so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh um, I do. And and so we'll we'll talk about that. I did not check out online, they have like ending explained. So I mean I would love to hear other people's opinions on it, and I would love to get yours. But, I mean, I, I get the ending, sort of, you know, but whatever. Uh, point is, so we'll get to that later. We'll save that. Uh, let's talk about the beginning of the movie. So, the beginning of the movie, first five, ten minutes, fucking best thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, five minutes, five minutes, by the way. I clocked it in. Five minutes is when all that happened, you know? And it's, it starts out this liner um, looking like the Titanic, basically. You know, these all these rich Italian people are all hanging out and and, you know, they're dancing with each other. And it's really cute. And you're like, oh, this is so nice. And then there's something uh, like some wire being pulled or whatever. And then exactly at a certain time, it, everything just went and just took everybody out uh, in that group. And I was like, damn, except for the little girl who's like, sees her father or grandfather or whoever that was, his head just like fly off, fall off and right in front of her. What did you think when you first saw that uh, scene? Oh, you know what? And uh, uh, forgive me, because I don't know who did it first. I'm only going based on the one I saw first. When I saw that scene for the very first time, that first thing that popped my mind was, oh, my God, it's like the opening of Cube, except multiple more. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if you've seen Cube or not. It's kind of no, like a, I've heard of it. Oh, it, it's really good. I, I highly recommend to watch. Uh, it's kind of like a uh, like a uh, like the, uh, a lot of random people are put into this giant Rubik's Cube with all these different internal rooms. And, and you know, only one or two rooms is not booby trapped. All the others are booby trapped. Um, I've heard of uh, that, yeah. Without giving too much away, the very opening, there's this one guy who walks through. You don't know who he is. It's just some random before the new group comes in. And you just see him walk halfway through the room, and all of a sudden you just hear his whoosh, and you just see him just stop and just freeze. And then all of a sudden you see all these little cube pieces all around his whole body and his face and everything. 
and he just crumbles to the ground in cubes. And what happened was he tripped a wire that actually had a thing that looked like the, almost looked like one of those old fashioned cheese graters, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the fine mesh uh, ones. And it just shot right through them and just turned them into little dice cubes. Uh, and uh, like if I saw a ghost ship, I got a little bit of that tone to it. And like I said, I'm not sure which one did it first. Like I'm only going based because I saw Cube first. Um, Let me find out. Which one so Ghost Ship was 2000. And, yep, Cube was 1997. Okay, so yeah, it probably uh, was. And this was 2002. So that was first. So maybe they did get that sort of idea yeah. a little bit, but, but it's, it took it further. <laughs> it took it a little further. And ugh, it's crazy. Like every the gore was amazing in it. Oh yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and 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 just to build on even what you said, uh, that opening was perfect. Like you said, it was all like those. It was supposed to be a lot of the Italian rich elites on this nice, luxurious liner cruiser. Everyone's having a good time. Uh, like even like uh, one of the staff was like you know like you know like having fun with the little girl we were uh, talking about. She was playing with one of those alphabet toys, and he took it for a quick second and played with it and handed it back to her with the saying, "I'm so bored." <laughs> so yeah. cute yeah it really was i mean it was so innocent and so fun and then it really made, and, and, I, and i want to give the writer a friend on that one on is is that it usually it takes a long time for you to start getting invested when you see people get killed you're like oh that sucks they actually did it in about five minutes i mean like you know not to the extent level where like i'm really invested but it was enough for me to go oh well that's not cool <laughs> right like i mean i don't I watch these horror films and I'm not like I'm wishing death on people necessarily um, unless they're like total assholes. Then I'm like, I hope Jason gets them, but <laughs> you know, right. But like when you watch a movie like this, where the, the first five minutes, you're sort of getting invested in these characters because you're, they're having fun. They're enjoying themselves. It seems like they're not expecting to all die, you know, on the <laughs> ship or whatever. Um, so I mean, it was, I don't know, an interesting, um, yeah, but then, you know, and then all of a sudden she sees her grandfather die or whatever, get his head chopped off and, and right in front of her and she screams. And then I'm like thinking, cause I haven't seen this movie except for that. I'm like, what happened to that little girl? You know, like, did she just, did she just die? Because nobody else was steering the ship, and and like, and then my other big question was like, all these people died. What happened to their bones and stuff? You know, like, so there's gonna be a few questions I'm gonna be asking throughout the movie because there were little issues that I have where, um, it sort of made me wonder if this was the real ship, you know, or if this was like the ghost, a ghost ship. Of the 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 one that, you know, because mm -hmm. they never found the ship, right? This yeah, ship got sure. lost, right? Yeah. So, I, because I believe it was that they came across like an, another abandoned ship liner. Um, well, actually, we're, we're, that that goes further on in the story. Of yeah, well, we'll go right into that. Actually, it's about to come up. So there. Uh, so we meet the crew, you know, uh, very quickly, and I was not happy with how quick it was where we were like uh so there's there's something they're they're salvaging a ship or something right they're salvaging something at that particular moment in the beginning of the first scene 
you see all of them on they're they're doing something in the sea and it's just too many quick shots of stuff and then uh on top of that the whole time Gabriel Byrne is yelling you're like come on get back up here you know and I'm like I'm I'm like can they even hear him when they're in the water like I'm not like I'm not even sure but I'm sure they can I guess you wouldn't be yelling at nothing um and so they come finally come back up and they got the stuff they needed or or whatnot they got everything done and they're celebrating at a I guess a tavern you know, kind of place, like a bar, restaurant, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, this ferryman, uh, who they called Jack. I'm not sure if that was his actual name, because he never introduced himself as Jack. But then I thought they were just joking on his name, like, just calling him Jack, you know? Like, you know, not so fast, Jack, kind of thing <laughs> like that. But I guess his name might have been Jack. Uh, in the credits, it's ferryman. You know, the ferryman, which um, was played by Desmond. Uh, what's his name? Desmond Harrington, the guy who yep. did, was in like Wrong Turn, which yep. we will do at some point. Um, oh, film. What? I, I love that film. That was such a good film. The first one was. The rest were okay. I mean, yeah. they weren't bad, but they weren't. You know, the first one set everything up so well that I almost feel like they really never needed sequels, but, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, he, you know, so the ferryman come and I was like, wait, he looks familiar. And then when I saw he was in the wrong chair, I was like, okay, that's probably where I know him from. Um, and he says he's got a boat that, uh, that they can salvage or whatever, and that he was going to pay them and, but he needed to go with them, you know, and stuff. And, uh, I forgot how he convinced them, but he did convince them. Do you remember? Oh yeah, actually, um, originally, like he wanted a twenty percent finder uh, finder speedy, and uh, they they came back like, look, we're gonna do it, but ten. And he was hesitant. He goes, all right, fine, I'll take the ten. If I'm going with you, and they're like, not nah, a chance. And he's like, well, no, because how do I know you're not gonna like you know screw me out out, out of this deal and stuff? And there are plenty of other uh, boats here who will jump on this opportunity if I bring it to them. So it's either you take the ten and I come along, or, or you don't get it. And then that's when they decide, fine, you can come along. It should have been like 20% and then you don't come along for yeah. that. And then that would have probably solved all the problems because <laughs> he was, he was the problem. You know, spoiler alert. We're going to find that out later, but he was the, you know, um, he was the reason for all this, um, which we don't know. I mean, we just know him as this, like, and he did such a great job because I just thought he was an idiot, you know? Mm-hmm. Like at first he really played everybody as like he's just this idiot who's like at one point uh Greer, uh the, the black guy, uh he was mm-hmm. like the oh, uh, Isaac Washington. What? Oh uh, the actor's name I think is uh, Isaac uh, Washington. Yeah. He uh he was so he was so great. He was actually one of my favorite characters, um, to be honest. Uh but he was like telling the dude, get out of the way, get out of the way, get out of the way. And the dude just, you know, like wasn't listening to him at all or whatever to him. And just it was so funny because now looking back after having seen it, I'm like, hmm, you know, he played played it so well that even us, the audience are like, you know, he's being, you know, this guy's such an idiot. Why is he even on the ship? He's being, 
you know, he's he's going to cause the problem. But I, I thought it was going to go a different way. I thought he was going to fuck up everything just because he's an idiot, you know, <laughs> or whatever. But no, he, uh, yeah. And so, um, so they get on the ship and then they're going to search for, I think it was something else. Like there was something in the sea, you know, whatever, another uh, liner. They weren't looking for the one they come across, you know, and they find the uh, ghost ship, you know, out in the middle of the sea. And, uh, you know, I mean, so does the ghost ship just appear anytime it feels like appearing? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, it's a hard read on that one. I mean, we know it's shown up at our times uh, because, uh, and, and I think you might be right, movie it did, because before I think about it, uh, when the ferryman was talking to him in the very beginning about the boat and everything, he was saying like how sometimes it would be there and then it, it wouldn't, but then he checked back again and then there was again and no one ever touched it. And then uh, even, um, oh, I, I forgot his name, um, uh, the uh, in, the uh, engineer on the uh, boat, uh, when he saw the radar, he goes, uh, he goes, oh, look, it was just right there. I swear it was just right there. And and he started telling us, look, see, you see, it came back again. You see, it's right there. Yeah. So I think that's right, actually. I think he kind of blimps in and out. Yeah, so I think I I would say that this isn't the real boat, you know, that people were on, the original boat, you know, from 1962. This is, like, everybody's dead, right? So this boat in, in the demonic force has taken over the boat. So now the boat itself is a ghost, which is kind of cool. Like, if you think about it, like, that's a pretty neat little idea is like the boat itself is a ghost you know that it can kind of it's supernatural it can do what it wants you know and there's definitely fair game on that theory too uh you know we'll get we'll, we'll tap in that one more close to the end but the ending definitely uh helps support your idea a lot i'll i'll say that much <laughs> okay so the uh so basically they find the boat and they're like oh wow this and they know the boat like they've heard of the boat right um, I forgot what what's the book called. Um, oh, uh, it started with an A. Um, ah, um, ghost ship. <laughs> oh my God, uh, I was gonna read, uh, the Arcadia. I was like, no, that's Resident Evil. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. Oh, I, it's got a. It's it's got a um sit on it Ant Antonia Graza, oh, so, yeah, Ms yeah. Antonio Graza, um. So all right, you know what? I'm just gonna read the plot synopsis from uh, Wikipedia, and we can talk about it throughout, you know, or whatever. So I do that occasionally for some of my podcasts. In 1962, aboard the Italian ocean liner Ms Antonia Graza, passengers dance to the song "Senza Fine," sung by Francesca. A young girl, Katie, sits alone until the ship's captain offers to dance with her. A hand... Oh, it was the ship captain. Oh, I thought it was... I thought it was their grandfather who danced with her or something, but I guess ship captain. Um, A hand lifts a lever that tightens a wire cord. The wire whips across the dance floor. Bisecting the passengers and the crew, Katie is spared as the wire rips above her head through the captain who is killed. Forty years later, salvage crew Captain Sean Murphy, Marine Epps, Greer, Dodge, Munder, and Santa Santos. Oh, poor Santos. We'll get yeah, to him. Santos is a great character too. And I wish he had more, you know. 
are approached by Jack Ferryman. So I thought he was just called the Ferryman, but I guess that's his name. It's Jack Ferryman, a weather service pilot who spotted a vessel adrift the Bering Sea. It can be claimed by whoever brings it to port. The crew sets out to on their salvage tug, the Arctic Warrior. Uh, the ship is the the ship is the Antonia Graza, uh, missing since 1962. Boarding the abandoned liner, the salvagers discover nine boxes, each containing 28 gold bars. You know, it's a lot of. They said like a hundred million dollars or something. You know. Um, after a series of supernatural events, the group decides to leave the gold, but an invisible force sabotages the Arctic warrior with the propane gas leak. The tugboat explodes, killing Santos. With no other option, the group repairs the Graza. Greer encounters the apparition of Francesca, who seduces him into cheating on his fiance. Weirdest fucking scene in the movie, you know, because. That was the one thing I kind of got annoyed by, and this is where I feel like you need to be consistent. This would be a, um, this would be almost like a, uh, to me, this would be a uh, continuity issue. So it'd be an issue where at one point he could kiss the chick and stuff, and then later he was going through her. So it makes no sense to me. Like, can she become human? feeling at one point and then disappear in another like that doesn't you know the only thing I could come up with on that one was I was kind of taking a little bit of a page out of uh, the Frighteners uh, with Michael J. Fox um, where like most of the time you would automatically fall through uh, uh, go right through things but if you really concentrate hard enough you could actually focus enough energy to where you, you could move an object or something uh, you know I kind of like you know well, when it comes to these kind of things, sometimes I tend to let my mind go a little bit. But I mean, uh, but I, I can understand where you're coming from with the consistency, uh, though, too, especially if you're not even going to explain it. I mean, at least in the Frighteners, they actually at least explained it that, yes, in Norm, we're going to go right through you. But, you know, if you really kind of focus and you really get a good feel on how you're uh, how you're supposed to be in the afterlife, you can actually find ways to bend some of these rules. Uh, um, um, and so on. At least they at least presented it, and they actually like acknowledged what was going on. Uh, Ghost ship, yeah, you could easily argue that they kind of took the lazy man way out. I'm like, oh well, no, they, uh, you know, they can do it, it w- willy nilly, but without any explanation. Yeah, like people don't need an explanation. They've seen the frighteners. They know that people, blah, blah, blah. like you know, I have not seen the frighteners for years, so I, I forgot about that. But I, I guarantee you. Like, period. The thing is, like, yeah, exactly. If you say, like, have somebody explain that, then that's fine, you know, and dandy. Like, you can do that. You don't explain it, it's going to confuse people, you know, and you don't want to confuse your audience because your audience is just going to check out after a while. Like, you know, especially too many of those kind of incidences. Um, So, who seduces him to cheating on his fiance, then leads him to fall down an elevator shaft. Um, Murphy enters the captain's cabin and encounters the ghost of the cabin, or captain. Uh, the captain explains that they recovered the coal from the sinking cruise ship, the Lorelei, along with the sole survivor. Uh, Mur- Murphy is shown in a picture 
of the survivor whom he recognizes. He rushes to tell every, tell the others, but hallucinates and sees everyone as a ghost of the burned Santos, who provokes him into a rage. The others think Murphy has gone mad and lock him in the drained fish tank. Uh, Epps later finds him drowned. An invisible force had opened a valve filling the tank with water, which, once again, that never got showed, as far as I remember. Did it? I have no you are you are correct. That was not shown because uh, because uh, even I like it was like one of those things where I've always enjoyed the movie. I haven't watched it in a while, and going back watching it this go round, um, especially like what you said about at the very end, like that was I actually just noticed that for the first time. Uh, but I did notice that with that scene too uh, that your mission. I was like, wait a minute, I don't actually remember anything happening. Like it's like he was. He, I, I remember them throwing him in there, and he got trapped in there. And then, like a like a few scenes later, like um, uh, uh, the girl, um, uh, the the wee girl uh, comes by and uh, sees him in the tank, uh, drowned, and and then she runs to get um, uh, Carl Urban's character um, and uh, his best friend um, uh, to come. Yeah, Monday or something. Mon- Mon- yeah, Monday and uh, something. Uh... uh, so Dodge and Munder. Yeah, Munder. That, 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 yeah, those are the two. <laughs> yeah, Carl Urban was Munder. Um. Uh, I like Dodge. I thought Dodge was more fun. Um, you know, he had, he seemed to have more fun playing the roles and stuff. But so did Munder. They both had the little uh, was it uh, uh, rock paper scissors stuff going for a while. So they're you know it they had character, which was great. You know, Santos had a character, which was great. All the characters pretty much had an individuality that made them kind of unique and, and, and different from each other, which goes to the writing, you know, the writer mm-hmm. did a good job creating these characters to be sort of different in a way where you, you know, they didn't all blend in together or anything, you know, everybody stood out in some way or another. Um, mm-hmm. I wish we got to see more Santos. Um, I feel like he kind of got, and, and this might've been the reason why he blew up and everything is because like, you know, him blowing up didn't mean as much to us, the audience, because we didn't really get to know him as well. You know, like if, say, uh, Munder or um, uh, Dodge had blown up, we would have been a little bit more devastated, you know, and stuff and probably pissed, you know. Um, but the fact that Santos died, I was like, because at first I was like, oh, man, I kind of wish I got to know him a little bit more before he blew up, you know, like, all right, you're. But maybe that was the point, you know. I was probably. No, I agree with Santos. I I liked him a lot too. Uh, I absolutely love that scene where, like, you know, they're getting ready to try and leave, and he and like, and he's he's talking like all like almost a little like you know like, sensual and dirty uh, to this photo, and you don't see the photo at first. You're thinking like, oh yeah, that's probably some hot chick in there, or whatever. And then it finally, Cameron turns around to see the photo and ends up being his car. Yeah. <laughs> he was really into cars, man. Um. But uh, so was uh, one of the other ones, I think. I don't think it was Santos who found the car. Who found the car? Um, oh, uh, that was uh, Jack uh, Ferryman. Yeah. He's about the 68 Jaguar. <laughs> Which I guess he put that there. You know? It probably was his. <laughs> yeah. He got excited to see his car again. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, I've always wanted one of these. Uh, now so we know you. it was yours. You know? uh, I only came back to the boat for my gold bars in my, in my car. <laughs> <laughs> That was funny. Um, so, all right. Um, 
Uh, Epps meets Katie's ghost, who reveals what happened on the Graza. Actually, that was sort of already, because that happened uh, right before the she found uh, him drowned and stuff. Um, but uh, who reveals what happened on the Graza, the sole survivor of the Lorelei, convinced many of the Graza's crew to murder their passengers, as well as the captain officers for the gold. After murdering the passengers, the crew turned on each other. Francesca killed the officer who survived. The mastermind behind the massacre killed uh, Francesca by releasing a hook that slashed her neck, which that was fucking awesome. Yeah, that- I, I was kind of hoping to see more of that, though, because like most of the time you just see her legs and then you see her. You know, you see the thing in her and everything, but it would have been cool if we got to see it actually go up. And but I guess that would be very dangerous to actually do to somebody. So I get it. You know, <laughs> you got to be careful. Like it would have been a hard kind of thing to kind of show the actual thing come up and actually go through the person. You know, probably well, also the- give it a unrated rating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But one thing I absolutely loved about that scene too, like it really gave a good point of view that, uh, like, or at least a good, uh, fun moral message of that. You should be ten times more concerned about the person you're backstabbing with than you are the people you're backstabbing. <laughs> right, because the person that you're backstabbing with is backstabbing people. To begin yep. with, you know, so if you're helping somebody backstab, they could very well backstab you. Mm-hmm. It goes to think you have to think about that in real life anyway, too. Like oh, with yeah. people in the indie film community, that sounds terrible, but like sometimes people in the indie film community, some of them are not the nicest people in the world and they will try to backstab other people. And if you see them backstabbing other people, be, be aware they, they could come after you too. So just you know, just okay. try to stay away from backstabbers. You know, I mean, that is one of the best uh, rules of thumb you could ever, you could ever give someone because, like said, uh, if they're willing to do it to somebody else, they're willing to do it to you. Well, it's just like people say that about cheaters. You know, like mm-hmm. if somebody's cheated on somebody before, yeah, you know, they most likely if they if they cheated on their partner with you. What makes them not cheat on you with another partner, you know, exactly. and stuff like that. So it's just, you just got to understand that, uh, under, just know, like expect people to be douches these days, you know, um, yep. especially the, uh, uh, the mastermind behind the massacre who killed Francesca by releasing a hook that slashed her neck. He then branded her palm with a hook-shaped symbol using only his hands. The man is Jack Ferryman, the demonic spirit of the deceased sinner tasked with provoking people to sin, then killing them and bringing their souls to hell. Uh, Epps deduces that Ferryman lured the salvage team to the Graza to repair it and decides to sink it to thwart his plan. Munder is crushed to death under the ship's gears while scuba diving in the flooded engine room. I I feel like I missed that a little bit because then later, like she said, where's Munder? I was like, where is he? And then, you know, so I missed it a little bit, but I guess, yeah, he got got killed. I assumed that's what happened anyway. 
you know. Oh yeah, uh, they they did show that one uh, when uh, when they when uh, when when one of the uh, lines got uh, caught up, um, and uh, him and his buddy did the rock paper scissors again. Um, um, he had to go back down there, and when he got the pump cleared. Uh, one of the gears uh, turned on down there and it caught his uh, fin and pulled him into the gears and they shredded him to bits. Mm. I missed that. I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. Maybe I just blacked out for a second, you know, watching stuff. So I don't know. But anyway, um, so uh, Epps tells Dodge to keep Jack on the ship's bridge while she sets explosives. Ferryman taunts Dodge mocking him as a coward for never acting on his feelings for Epps, then charges him. Dodge shoots Ferryman with a gun and believes Ferryman to be dead. Whatever happened to Dodge? Now, that's the one I'm trying to remember, because because uh, I, I watched it at night, and I remember, like, uh, last I saw him was he was with the Ferryman, and, uh, you know, to kind of go on what we were talking about earlier, like, when how he changed his wow and how well he did that, when he had that scene with Dodge where like, he's like, you're not going anywhere. And he turns around and he's like, you're pathetic. And he just went on this long rant about, and like, he really got into his psyche and made him really like think he may have acted like, Oh, well, you know, I shot him. You know, there's no big deal, but you knew it worked on him because then later on, he actually tries to give us the girl, like, let's just take the gold. You and I can get our own boat together. The two of us. Um, and I don't remember what happened. To no, but so he says that, but it wasn't him. Because she starts realizing that you're not Dodge. You're, you know, you must be the, you know, the ferryman. And then he, you know, comes back and he starts laughing at her. And, he, you know, he, he turns, you know, yeah. his whole, you know. My guess is then uh, when Dodge shot him and he was on the ground and then you see him wake up and it, and it fades over to the uh, girl again. He probably woke up and killed him right there on the spot. And but I want to see that. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, I feel like Dodge dodged a bullet, you know, there. Like, I, I didn't see anything. But he, like, you see him at the end with all the other ones. So, like, what? Like, he must have got killed. I, I know he would have gotten killed with the explosion that happened at the end. But, like, I, I ugh, this is the stuff that annoys me. Like, if you're going to, if you're going to do a cool movie like this, give us some cool scenes like that. Don't cut away. And not show us like a, a somebody's death, you know, um, even if it's like a flashback of, you know, of him real quick, you know, getting killed. Because yeah. I know I understand they wanted to set it up or you didn't know if that was him or not. Right. You thought it was him because he was running toward, you know, to try to find her. Right. And stuff. Mm -hmm. But it did feel a little odd that he was like, all of a sudden, it could be you and me. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why is he acting like this? Like he hasn't been doing that the whole time until the guy got into his like, you know, psyche. So I thought it could have been him because maybe the guy got into his psyche and he was like really thinking that maybe he should be with her, you know, kind of thing. Um, Cause he had apparently had a crush on her or something, which I'm guessing the demon because most demons in movies and whatnot, they know, you really well you know like they know who you are they know your past they know your future you know what's going on in your head i don't know how you know i would love to see one demon movie where the characters don't know shit about the person you know they're like who are you 
you know, I'm I'm the pastor to come come, you know, you whatever is like, oh well, go away. I don't like you're bothering me, dude. Like I don't, you know, right? Like your desire that girl. No, 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 seriously, we're just friends. It's really like it there's it's nothing like that at all. Oh, are you sure? I'm I'm pretty (laughs) sure I'm I'm detecting a little vibe here, you know. You know, something like that. Like that would be funny because that would take the demon stuff to a different level because I'm pretty sure the demon stuff where they say they know everything is just what the exorcist or whatever did that first. And so all of a sudden it's like, now that's demon lore, like every demon, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm sure if you really did meet a demon, he wouldn't know everything about you. He would just be like, you know, hey, go go kill that person because, you know, that'd be good for you. Do it, you know, right? Hit the hit right on the nail. I wasn't even thinking about that one, but you're right. Exorcist kind of did open the doors for that kind of uh, theme, uh, you know, for the demonic and the uh, uh, possessed on, on, on that level. Because, you know, it definitely follows suit uh, among other films. Because I know in the Dario Angento's uh, Demons, at least one and two, uh, they definitely knew how to knew you and how to get into your psyche. And they even the uh, Night of the Demons series uh, was the same way. Right. Every every demon movie you ever see, uh, any exorcism movie, any um, uh, any James Wan produced demon movie, you know, they all know who you are. They know your psyche. They know what you like. They know what you don't like. They know how to push your buttons. And I'm like thinking, I want movies where they like they take that differently now because I'm kind of sick of like. You know, I, I'm I'm sick of them doing that. Like even, even um, what is it? Uh, this is the end. Kind of joked on that. You know, he's like he, you know. But then, then again, I could be like, well, you're in the. He's in the body of Jonah Hill, who knows these people. Maybe he's got the mind of Jonah Hill, and he's like, yeah, you're you're a fatso. <laughs> That's oh, you, you know, you you did do that. Oh, I remember you doing that. You know, right? And that's funny because he didn't really, you know, he didn't use, like, you know, their psyche against them. He just kind of joked with them and stuff. So that's more, like, along lines of what I would imagine a real demon to be like, just a just an asshole inside somebody's body. Um, <laughs> you know, kind of probably what we would think demons actually are right now. Um Epps is setting explosive when she's confronted by Dodge. He tells her he killed ferryman and then he Okay, did he say that? Did he say he killed ferryman? Oh, yes, he did. And we yeah, that... thought we knew he didn't kill him, but we assumed he did like he thought he did, right? Because he was seeing like the big hole inside him or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he knew it at the very end because, like, he like his whole eyes just kind of went like that and started moving again, and he saw his head kind of turn a little. We're like, oh, he ain't dead. <laughs> he ain't dead. Um, but Epps asked why Dodge was not asked, has not asked where Munder is. Dodge morphs into Mary, ferryman who killed Dodge. Um, it says who killed Dodge. He never says that or anything. There's no explanation mm-hmm. of that. I would have loved that. Like, even just that. Like. Ha ha ha! I killed Dodge. Blah blah blah. You know, which you still could be like, did he? Did he not? You know, because or at least when she's running around doing things, she could at least come across his dead body at some point. So we at least got that closure of like, oh, that's how he died. 
No, because the next, the big, the next scene that's going to be mentioned is that her setting off the explosions, and that pretty much was the big thing, right? Like she didn't like run everywhere, you know, while it was happening. She got like, you know, everybody got blown up. Um, but uh, was it uh, Ferryman plans to use the Graza as a trap to continue collecting souls? One of my best lines in that, one of my favorite lines in that is she asks him who he is, and he says, I'm a salvager just like you, but except you collect boats, I collect souls. And I was like, he's a soul salvager. That's cool. <laughs> like, that should be its own, like, little creature thing that, you know, happens in, in, in other movies, you know? Um, kind of like vampires, but there's now a soul salvager. You know, I heard that one uh, not that long ago. Uh, the John Carpenter one with uh, James Wood. Which one is that? Oh, uh, oh, or oh, the vampires one. Uh, that was the uh, oh vampires. Yeah. Well, I was saying like, like, like vampires or werewolves or other creatures that exist in in movies. There should be a, a soul salvager in other movies. You know, like this should be a continuing. Creature that exists, you know, because that would be pretty neat, you know. Um, the thing with this is you don't know any of that, right? You don't know that this guy is that, you know, or whatever. That's like the big twist, you know, and everything. But in uh, other movies, you could know, and it could still be fun to see what the salvager is doing, you know, collecting souls, you know. Um. Fairman, yeah, let's see. Uh, as long as the Graza is kept afloat, the souls of everyone who died on board the ship will be dragged down when Ferryman returns to hell. Um, Epps detonates the explosives. Ferryman is blown to pieces in this explosion. While Katie, it, it did seem weird, didn't he? Like he kind of like, when he exploded, it was it looked weird. It looked like he kind of like. Like all his, like all the souls left right then, you know, his body or whatever. It's kind of cool. Um, Fairman is blown to pieces in the explosion while Katie helps Epps escape the sinking ship. Okay, you're right. So she, I remember that. So she wasn't, uh, Katie was helping her like to escape. That is where we could have seen Dodge or, you know, whatever other people that, uh, I think Dodge is the only character that I never really saw die. Um, other than it didn't seem, uh, uh, was it not Monday? Mar uh, uh, I didn't see, uh, Munder, but you did. So I just missed that for like two seconds. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, where, okay. Um, Epps detonates the explosives. Mary Ferryman is blah, blah, blah. okay. Epps is found by a cruise ship and returned to land. That's when she's like out in the middle of the sea and sharks have not eaten her, which to me makes no sense at all. I would be like, shouldn't there be like sharks swarming her? You know, going, ooh, what's this up here? You know, just dangling in the water. And that was another issue I had uh, now that we're on that topic. Uh, the more I thought about it, um, something I never caught on before that I caught this time. Well, one of a few things along with the ending, uh, but um, uh, 
that uh, that box she was uh, floating on wasn't that when the box is full of the gold bars? Right, I think so. How would that float? That's a lot of weight. I mean, yeah, that would have sank to the bottom. I mean, from someone like uh, like you know, a fun little fact about me. Um, I actually used to be a dive master. Uh, matter of fact, but before I got into the tech world, I was actually getting studying up, and I was at school to be an underwater uh, cutting and, and welder. Uh, the oh. only reason I left it was once I got more information on the job. Like, it's all those if, if any of you underwater water, uh, underwater welders uh, are watching this. Kudos to you guys. Your job is not easy. It's hard and. Not anyone can do it because these guys are usually on an oil rig or one of these places for nine months straight. Ugh. Come down three months uh, back to land to be there with their families and they're back out nine months. Uh, it's not an easy life uh, at all. Uh, it's definitely not a married man's kind of life. Uh, it's definitely the uh, singular, uh, the, uh, the the single person's kind of a uh, career path, I would say, unless you have a very understanding uh, significant other. <laughs> Right, who's gonna be probably cheating on you? No offense, but you know, like taken there. I mean, you know, because I, <laughs> I was. Like, I oh, mean, I'm right, because you are married, and you would not want your you know, your your wife to like miss you all the freaking time, like because you're gone all the time, you know, and you wouldn't want to miss that person. And it's the same way, like, um, you know, I almost feel like sometimes act like Hollywood acting. You know, and, and, and being on set, like, basically most of the time, you know, that you're on set, like, you're, you know, if you're married, it's tough because most of the time you don't see the person, you don't get a chance to hang out with that person unless you literally work with the person constantly, you know, and stuff. I think that's why a lot of actors have used to work with their uh, wife or whatever in other movies because, they didn't, you know, they always wanted to see them. They want to be around them all the time. But, you know, um, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I totally dig what you're saying about that. And I'm glad you were able to kind of use that. And then I didn't even know any of that stuff that you used to do. So I had no idea you were uh, a, a deep diver, you know, or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was actually going that secret path. I think that's probably a little bit of a reason, too, why I have a little bit of a love for for this movie uh, as well is because I mean it's not exactly what I, I, I was going to do what they were doing but it's not far off it's in the, it's the same ballpark I was going to be more building uh, oil rigs you know while they're doing more uh, boat salvaging but that also involves welding because most of these ships like the one they saw have big holes in them and the only way you're going to get that thing uh, to move again is you got to patch it you got to drain it and then you got to rise it and above all you got to at least get your oars you got to get your uh, your sway to all be uh, operational again if you get that you can salvage it you know um i was like thinking like you know they should have seriously called the coast guard if they could have you know if the ferryman would have let them but um they should have should have called the coast guard because even uh even with the the gold they could have figured out a way to hide the gold and then taken it with them somehow i guess like they could have put it somewhere and uh put it in like bags you know the coast guard's not going to check your bags you know for for gold bars and shit like you know what i mean like um they actually never mind they would probably go there and be like well this something seems missing here you know and shit and then blame them for stealing gold <laughs> but i mean as they said the the bars were 
you know, the barcodes were off or whatever, scratched off. Like there was no way to know who whose gold it was. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. which would have been great. But, you know, think I don't think she never got the gold at the end, did she? I don't know if she did, did or not. I mean, that's uh, one of that they don't really explain a uh, follow on because then you see like, you know, I guess now's the best time to bring it up at the end uh, when you see the ghost figure come back again and when you see all the other um, old, old uh, crew members lugging the uh, crates of what we assume is probably the gold bars uh, back onto some other boat, which is probably your, uh, the same thing you were thinking about uh, uh, that I was thinking about. Uh, and that was one of those other things that I never picked up on that until I watched it again last night. And I was like, wait a minute. How does that make sense? I was like, his soul and everything else is supposed to be a part of that ship. And and I agree with you, that could have actually been a legitimate, like, actual paranormal ghost ship, especially when it sinks at the end. You see all those souls leaving. And I like, to me, that sounds like a possessed ship. Right. You know, when, when you kill it and all those souls leave it. And, you know, it was like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, Part 4, uh, when Allison, like, you know, shows his reflection and he dies, like, all the souls are leaving his body and escaping. Uh, uh, him, you know, I I kind of tack it on to that kind of uh, level. So yeah, I mean, it's probably is a, a paranormal uh, ship. Yeah, like that. so th- those souls should be gone too, right? Like all souls that were connected to the ship, you know, in some way or whatever that he's that he's taken, you know, unless he didn't take those souls, you know, or whatever. And now he now he does own them or something. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, that ending definitely it didn't make a lot of sense to me because uh, it was like, well. Why would he have any paranormal attachment to some random new ship, the board? That just does make sure. The only thing I could think of is if his possession is in somehow in line with the gold and the gold bars are going onto their ship, hence his presence goes with it. That was really the closest thing I could come up with to a theory. And even that one, I'll admit, it's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is what they say for the ending. So says Epps is found by a cruise ship and returned to land as she's loaded into the ambulance. She sees the gold being loaded onto the uh, cruise ship by the resurrected souls of her former fellow Arctic warrior crew overseen by a resurrected resurrected uh, ferryman who glares at her and carries on. Epps screams loudly as the ambulance doors close. So Honestly, I feel like that ending was tacked on to give, like, um, you know, some kind of, like, you know, sort of a, oh, no, we've got an ending, then we got some, and and that ruined it. Like, that ruined, I mean, I I, I like the rest of the movie, aside from that scene, and that just kind of, like, put me in a bad mood afterwards. I was like, what? Why? Like, they could have just ended it with her going to the ambulance. I would have been completely happy with that ending. I would have been like, this is a pretty fun, entertaining movie. But like when you when you try to give you like some kind of twist at the end, at the last minute of the movie, you know, I'm just like, oh, come on. You know, like this was going so well. Like she won. Everything's done. The guy's gone. Like, you know, you know what I would have preferred that maybe another ghost ship was found by you know another you know ferryman type guy you know salvager guy or whatever he comes up to another crew and he's like hey I found another one and then as they go to leave 
he looks at the he kind of like winks at that doesn't wink at the camera but you know kind of gives like a smirk you know and yeah. you're like oh shit it's gonna happen again you know yeah. i would have been okay with that like those are my kind of endings but when they they come in and they have the same people and you're like oh so these are now all those poor guys who died santos and you know everybody died and now they're now they're trapped as crew members aboard this you know next vessel that's not you know that it's just a new cruise ship which has nothing it doesn't seem like it has any spiritual thing connected to it because we don't know you know it's never explained i've been seeing that trend a little bit more recently uh uh, where like I feel like horror movies are going too far, like they don't know when to cut it and say end it here. And, uh, but you know, I've been noticing a lot more lately. It's been going on more and more. Um, uh, 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 a couple of good examples. Um, one I, I know a lot of people will probably uh, agree with me on. Um, uh, Halloween ends, uh, for example, like that whole ending of them just carrying Michael's over their shoulders, almost like you know someone you would like praise or like you know uh, or like you know uh, or like mourn, like you know the death of you know every, the whole crowd's carrying him over, like you know in unison, uh, you know uh, because of someone special and. The, He's a mass murderer. I mean, half of those people, uh, you know, like, you know, having people carrying him, he probably killed someone that you know and that you liked and stuff. I mean, why would you do that? I mean, just throw him in a bag, throw him in the, in the grinder and call it a day. Um, or, or, you well, still- I mean, in a way, I get it. Uh, it. It's not a great movie. I hate Halloween ends. Um, I have a, I have a lot to say on that particular i that's a whole podcast i think i've already done you know already done that podcast with uh john ward and we both hated that movie absolutely um you know you don't introduce a character like the you know in the third and final chapter that is now going to be the new villain now that's not you don't do that you don't do that i'm sorry i if i ever met um david gordon green or um uh, what's, what's the guy from This is the End? Um, uh, fuck. Um, the co-writer. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, was it uh, Danny McBride? Danny McBride. If I ever met either of those guys, I wouldn't be afraid to tell them, sorry, man, Halloween End sucked. It's bad. It, it could have been so cool. You could have had, if you had introduced that one character in like maybe the first of the thing, and he, maybe he was a character that like knew the girl, you know, or whatever, but like, you know, and, and that got set up somewhere before that episode, that, that segment, I would have been all for it. But the fact I'm like, there's no way this girl would go out with this guy after, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, and, and it, it just got weird and, 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 and dumb, you know, but uh, yeah, did not like that movie whatsoever. And I don't like were- them the morning and I don't like the fact that why didn't they just I mean why 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 did that guy become such a thing? Like the, the babysitter guy. Like why? Like I don't I even remember his name. They oh uh, Corey. <laughs> yeah. He's even got a boring name. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like if I was directing that movie and I was going to end it, but maybe like as they were trying to maybe look at it at one point, uh, 
I would have gone more the uh, Halloween 4 route, uh, where, like, it's mostly predominantly focusing on Michael and Paul by finale and then maybe Corey gets the mask at the end as the passing of the torch like now he's his body his is his, his, his yeah. soul has transferred over to the new one kind of what they did with uh jamie lloyd's character like you know when she sat her mom just like will michael did because she got into his psyche and everything i mean i could have accepted that and i was like hey that's a great little throwback to part four i mean part four is a mixed bag for some people uh, i actually really part five it. is awful and uh <laughs> You know, but that's that's perf. You know, that that's a whole different conversation once again. So, you know, um, but yeah, I uh, part four I liked, and I liked the ending. Um, it's almost the same ending as part four of Friday the Thirteenth. You know, mm-hmm. fucking uh, uh, Tommy Jarvis. Uh, you know, starts killing, and then you can kind of see like, is he gonna be the new? You know, and then they just totally part five, they both part fives, they completely just disregard that whole thing and mm-hmm. stuff. And I don't know if it was because it it's harder to like take a a little girl or a little boy like as a serial killer like that seriously, you know, enough where you know, or or whatnot. But that that is weird that both are fours f- that have that ending, you know. You ever thought about that? <laughs> about that until you brought it up that's a very good uh, good fact actually <laughs> part four is the revenge of michael myers or return of michael myers and he was called the return of michael myers because part three did not have michael myers so they're like let's make it a you know return of michael myers and then uh and then f- part four of uh friday the 13th is final chapter which mm-hmm. that would have been funny if that was part four of uh the final chapter of, uh, you know, so you know it's never the final chapter. Don't ever call your movie, you know, the final chapter. You know, saw the is. final chapter. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was Halloween ends is so was so ridiculous. I I I didn't look like I said if you had introduced Corey in maybe part one or part two, even even part two. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Or we got to know him a little bit or whatever. And then we got his backstory in part three, what he did or whatever. Like, I would have been cool with that. But no, this is a completely new character we're now focusing on because, I don't know, they dug themselves into a hole with putting... Uh, and, and then I'm like, would Michael Myers really just stay in the sewer all the time? Like, no, he's a he's an unrelenting beast. You know, yeah. that one really bothered me too, especially after like uh part of the uh, the uh, second one in that in that new uh, series. Like at the very end, like he took on like a literally a lynch mob of people with like pipes and bats and stuff beating him, and he took them all out. And then some random like you know babysitter can wrestle him now down all of a sudden, and it's not like it was like oh well you know it's the next day or something. I mean, if it was the next day, I could be like okay, well you know he's still probably gotten some wear and tear on him maybe or something but it's like something like eight years later i'm like that dude would have recuperated and he would have been ready to go swinging again Uh, i mean i can get being older in eight years and maybe being a little slower you know that could have been interesting take on it you know but he would he wouldn't have waited eight years he would have came back to um you know haddonfield like 
you know, in two years or, uh, you know, two weeks, you know, because he mm. was, he was a badass. And then all of a sudden he's like, he's in the, he's in the sewers eating rats and killing people like hobos and shit, you know? And then, and, uh, and then on top of that, yeah, you're saying Corey, you know, could take him down. Corey got his ass whooped by motherfucking uh, band Bang. people. Yeah, band geeks. <laughs> I, I get that if it's a joke because, you know, it's Danny McBride, you know, and it's like the guys who wrote fucking like Pineapple Express or worked on, like, that's funny, right? But, like, they didn't treat it like a joke. They treated it like these band people are fucking badasses now. I'm like, no. And most of the people didn't even like want to fight him. Only just like one or two people wanted to like kick Corey's ass or whatever. So I'm just like, this is just fucking utterly stupid, and I hated it. I I know this isn't the Halloween ends uh, episode, but <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I know. But if it were, you know, we'd be talking for like two hours about how fucking oh. stupid it is, and I hate it. And um, it's probably. Oh. I somebody posted of a photo of somebody's house and um and had like their stairs and their stairs had all the Halloween posters on the stairs like like in the stairs it would say like Halloween Halloween two Halloween three season of the witch Halloween four and it went all the way up to the last you know whatever and I said I keep you know I I I love them all except the last two. I, I would have them all except the last two, because those two, the the first one of them, I actually liked. I thought it was okay. It was decent, and um, you know, I was, I was going around going, why is, why is this eighty year old man like fucking scary still? You know, like shouldn't he be, you know, having arthritis and like that? That would be the fun shit. Like have him have arthritis with the the hand and like. <laughs> trying to figure out how to put it in my hand like right, right and it falls out of his hand like that i mean i guess that's more of a parody you know like scary movie would do that probably you know <laughs> or, or like or, or like wait 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 uh, it picks up uh, 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 that one dude who's following or he puts it up and he throws his back out oh, oh, oh my back my back my back <laughs> that would be called not halloween ends but all halloween depends <laughs> Halloween retires. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh yeah, Halloween yeah has has now retired, you know. Um which they sort of have, I guess. That was supposed to be the last for now until they reboot it at some point, you know. Which you know will happen because Michael Myers never dies, you know. But yeah. I hate to say it, the lead uh actor um and whatnot, the uh the guy who played The Shape, um, Nick Castle, who has made one of the best movies of all time. I'll show it to you right now. The Last Starfighter, directed oh, by Nick Castle. I love. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea Nick Castle was who directed The Last Starfighter. Yeah. Oh my lord! That's so the bad. fucking shape of uh, the of Michael Myers is the director of the yeah of the Last Starfighter. Fucking amazing. Um, I love him. Like I, I, I've been to like, I know there's been conventions where he's been at at them and everything, and I probably was there. I just never got a chance to meet him yet, you know. And maybe I never will, you know. Um, but 
I still love the dude. Like I, I, um, I just, I was just laughing my ass off in the first Halloween 2018, where I'm just seeing this big 79 year old man, you know, and I'm like, I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty rough. Like, you know, he's pretty tough looking, but I'm like, you can't be doing this forever, dude. You know, like pretty soon. That's why Michael Myers is usually played by George Wilbur or somebody else, you know, um, you know, like another actor, because after a while, you know, Tyler Maine is always still. I know a lot of people don't like the Rob Zombie ones, but he's still my favorite Michael Myers, you know. I like the first Rob Zombie one a lot, actually. I thought that was very well done. The second one, it started off good, but it just went to a really weird realm. I'm not. Uh, a, I'm not a big fan of the the mental ho- or the hospital, not mental, but the the hospital angle stuff. You know, with these. So I I didn't like part two originally. Anyway, uh, you know, uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis, and I didn't like the the Rob Zombies one because once again I don't like the hospital shit. So I could care less. I don't know. It just wasn't for me, but. Uh, but it, you know, I, I like Rob Zombie's stuff generally. I don't think he's the greatest director, but I think he's Devil's Rejects is amazing. Um, you know, he, he's kind of like a little bit like, uh, M. Shyamalan, uh, M. Shyamalan. You either really like what he puts out or you really don't like it. I mean, it's not like across the board, but he's more mixed bag. Like, you know, because I know I'm that way. It's like he's made some stuff I really enjoyed. Um, like I said, I liked House of Thousand Corpses. I liked uh, Devil's Rejects. Uh, uh, Three from Hell was okay. Uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like, you know, the best art, but it wasn't his worst work either. And then um, I liked uh, 31, but then uh, The Monsters, I wasn't a big fan of. Uh, Halloween 2 definitely wasn't a big fan of. Um, and then uh, he did some other movie. Um, the Lords of Salem? Yeah, I think The Lords of Salem. And uh, I wasn't a big fan of that one either. I didn't. I couldn't get through it. Um, it kind of bored me after a while. Um, and I love all the actors in it. Like, all the people he casts are people I love. You know, Leslie Easterbrook and fucking oh. Devil's Rejects. I mean, and she... I don't know if you've ever met her, but she is one of the sweetest people you will ever meet. She was at a Scares That Care one year, and um, she was just, I gave her a copy of my movie, right? Scary Story Slumber Party. And she goes, why isn't your name on the uh, cover? You know? And I go, <laughs> I don't know. And her love Ellen. And, uh, and she was like, your name should always be on the cover if you directed it. And I was like, that is a Not- good point. I will make sure that next movie I, I put out, uh, I will have my name on my cover because that is a great point, you know? Because, I mean, it gives to show, like, oh, I made this movie, you know, or whatever. But I I, I don't like when people, other than John Carpenter, John Carpenter can do this, and I'm fine with it. So I even say it the way he says it. But... I will not I do like I do not like people who put their name in front of the movie like um you know Joe Bills you know Devil's Night you know or something and I'm mm-hmm. like I'm just using people as an example I don't want to call anyone out um but I know a few people who do that and I think it's obnoxious so stop stop it is not your movie it is Everybody who's worked on its movie, 
John Carpenter can do it just because he's John Carpenter. And like, you know, even Stanley Kubrick never said Stanley Kubrick's, you know, clockwork orange, you know. The only time I would even remotely consider that was if you're running on a title that has been used uh, with other films and maybe it's a way for you to stand out a little bit. Uh, you know, like, you know, if you know, like, you know, say if I wrote a movie uh, called like In the Heart of Darkness, uh, for example, uh, and I find out, oh, wait a minute, there's like four other movies called The Heart of Darkness. Then, you know, me, I might go, hey, you know, Michael McGuinn's uh, Heart of Darkness. So that way, at least they know it's my version and not someone else's version. That's but, a good point. I've, I've seen that happen where somebody has said something. And I said, oh, that's OK, because um, I called it their movie because there already is like 12 other you know, titles with that name. Now it actually, you know, makes it stand out a little bit. So that's good point. I occasionally get one. <laughs> but, were, but were you saying, so you said, but other than that, you don't, you don't agree with that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't agree with it uh, either. Cause I, I do agree with you. I mean, like, you know, I mean, it takes like uh, it, it takes more than just a director to make a film. I mean, it takes a good DP. It takes good effects. It takes good lighting. It takes a good cameraman. It takes good talent. I mean, it, I mean, it, uh, you know, it takes great costuming. I, I mean, there are so many variables that have to work for it to work. Uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, well, uh, you know, I've seen movies where it had good actors but the writing was just absolutely atrocious and that no matter how good the actor did in that film, the movie was just not going to be a good film. Right. Uh, you know, like uh, first thing that pops in my mind, uh, John Travolta, uh, Battlefield Earth. <laughs> right. You know, uh, you know, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. The book's great. Uh, yeah, definitely. Have you read the book? Oh, yeah. The book's great. I I won't read it just because it's Scientology, but that's that's personal. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I definitely don't go that route. I mean, I, I, I even with Scientology, again, I, even with Scientologist, I hope you don't take this too much offense to this, but uh, Scientology, I kind of look a little bit like fancy. I mean, I'm sorry, but when your founder has a, a quote uh, that he was known for in the past, which is, uh, you want to make a lot of money, start a religion. That was actually a quote uh, that um, uh, uh, Hubbard made. Mm -hmm. Right. But you can't yeah. tell any of those people that because they'll tell you you're wrong and that, you know, somebody on the Internet started that rumor and all that stuff, because that's what, you know, like I, I watched that uh, show from uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, the girl left Scientology who started um, Leah Re Remini. Uh, oh. She did, you know, she did that whole docuseries about uh, Scientology and everything. And a lot of it, they're not they're not really even allowed to look at the internet because the internet lies to you. There's, you know, they're going to tell you what's, you know, that wrong things about your religion, you know, things they don't know. And even though people do research and actually find this, all this information out, they're wrong because, you know, they don't, they're not part of our group, you know, or whatever. So, um, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that Scientology is going to go away at some point um, because once Tom Cruise is gone and um, the other guy, uh, Ron Miscavige or whatever, mm -hmm. um, whatever he, when he, when both of them are gone, there's nothing left. There's nobody else right now. 
that has like other than maybe John Travolta and even he is older than Tom Cruise. You know, when they're gone, there's nobody powerful left. And that thing is not going to survive without that power. You know, that's the only oh. thing that's making it survive right now is as Ron Miscavige having that power that he has and everything. Once he's gone, he's going to die someday, you know, and he's he's in his like 60s or 70s or something. So next few years, that's when he's gone, you know, what's going to you know, what's going to happen, you know, to Scientology? They're going to there somebody's going to have to take over and they're not going to be nearly, you know, as convincing and um, and scary, you know, I don't think. So, yeah, you know. unless they can convert Spielberg or one of them to come over. <laughs> but even then, I Spielberg's not scary. You know, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd be scared of him necessarily. Ron Miscavige is terrifying. He'll do, he'll, he'll take you and, and basically, I mean, like he's a terrifying person. You know, that's, that's the problem right now with it, you know, and everything. So if you, if you go against them when you're, in that group you're you know but mm-hmm. whatever anyway i don't want to keep talking about this because i have no idea if my computer's bugged by scientology somewhere and or if uh online there they'll find this you know out by some some ch- i doubt it because we're not going to mention it so they're not going to be looking <laughs> into our podcast about that but maybe there's a scientologist that likes that uh uh was a ghost ship that's like ooh, and then uh, Ron, they're talking about you. I I got two new lambs for the slaughter for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think honestly that they even would listen all the way to the end of this movie in the podcast. I guarantee you, most people don't. <laughs> so if you're a Scientologist, you're probably not even looking online for anything. <laughs> and if you did uh, catch, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> yeah, thank you. If uh, you know. Don't don't report me to your leader. You know. <laughs> um don't let me don't take me to your leader. Um it's an alien thing and it's a cult thing. <laughs> oh alien cult. Awesome. So that's what they are. They're an alien cult. You know. I won't be afraid to say that. So <laughs> um you know. Uh anyway, to go back to Ghost Ship to finish up what we were saying because we went on a little bit of danger there, but um, all in all, I thought it was a in a pretty good movie. Um, I liked it. I I would watch it over and over again. Like it'd be something I'd watch. I like boat movies, you know. Um, uh, like ship movies like this, you know, especially pirates, you know, mainly. But you know, when you get to like ocean liners like this, or like maybe the Titanic stuff like that, I'm into it, you know. Um, but I, I like how they mentioned an iceberg, you know, so they threw in a little Titanic thing there, but oh, then yeah. they're like, yeah, there's other things that could rupture a, you know, boat other than an iceberg. <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't have are to you, be an iceberg. Yeah. Or, or with, uh, Gabriel Byrne, like, you know, he told like, you know, his first mate is like, I've been, I've been on the sea longer than you have. I've seen things that will literally change you for life and make you really uh reconsider what you uh look at in the world uh and, yes. you know, that, that was actually one thing about his character too that i would have loved to gotten a little bit more clarity on they tapped into it a little bit 
But, you know, when uh, in the very beginning, when uh, uh, Jack Ferryman offers to buy them all around, like she uh, says, well, he doesn't drink and they never tapped into it. And you see him fighting it. And then, of course, later on, you know, he caved into having the drink, but they never, with the captain. Yeah. Yeah. The captain. Yeah. yeah uh, uh, they never tapped into why uh, that was the case. Like, you know, was he an abusive drunk? Uh, was it something like, you know, he was using it as a crutch because he lost someone close to him and stuff? Um, because it was kind of it was always a big asterisk uh, for me. It's like, well, why did he stop drinking? You know, I felt like there was more behind that story, and we never got clarity on that. We never really did, and I don't think some of the times I don't think a lot of these things are like half baked. Maybe Gabriel Byrne himself had a uh, thing. He was actually in one of my favorite pirate movies, by the way. Um, Gabriel Byrne. Do you know what it is? Oh, which one? Oh, well, is it uh, Pirates? Nope. Oh, what? Shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. It's a Disney movie from like Finland or something. They had Gabriel Byrne as the, uh, basically it was like, basically it was Long John Silver. It was a very, uh, uh, what is it? Um, Treasure Island kind of book, uh, movie. It was like Treasure Island meets Home Alone, uh, which is pretty interesting. It was about this kid who snuck on board a ship you know that he was he wanted to go on to help his family you know out and everything but the crew would not let him go on because he was so young and everything so he snuck up on the board on the ship and um the the captain played by Gabriel Byrne you know allows him to come on the ship and stuff after he's you know found out and everything and says that they could use him to you know do things you know, sneak into places, do things, you know, whatever, right? But he doesn't realize they're all pirates, you know, and everything. He thinks that they're just shipmates who whatever. And then he doesn't realize this guy, the Gabriel Byrne character, is a, like, nasty pirate who, you know, is... And they're looking for gold. There's a treasure mm-hmm. of gold. So there you go. This is a second ship movie with gold, you know. Um, but they're looking for gold on this island, uh, but their boat gets shipwrecked at sea before they get to the island. So um, he, the little boy, uh, found out that they were pirates right before they get shipwrecked, and he was gonna. And he wanted to basically get off the boat somehow to to warn people about this these people, you know, or whatever. And when the ship gets shipwrecked, he uh, goes on the island, and he wants to get to the gold before them. And he sets up all these booby traps and stuff, and it's a lot of fun. It's like I said, it's Home Alone meets Treasure Island, which is probably, you know. And I, I would love to see like a remake. Like I know a lot of people remake all these like movies that are sometimes they remake movies that are like new, you know, like mm-hmm. something that just came out like last, you know, few years. Uh, Wrong Turn, they remade Wrong Turn and whatnot, and. uh uh, I was like, that came out in 2003. Isn't wasn't even 20 years old at that time. Like, why why do that? So, um, I would oh, love yeah. to see them remake Shipwrecked, which they haven't remade, uh, and is older. And it would, you know, Disney. If I were in charge of Disney, I, there's a bunch of movies from Disney that I would remake that people have not heard of that would do really well today. Like, have you ever heard of Not Quite Human? 
Yes. You saw that movie? Oh, yeah. I saw that. I used to watch that when I was a kid, actually. Right, on Disney, right? Yeah. I would love to remake that. Um, I'd love to remake Mr. Uh, Mr. Boogity. Oh, yeah. You've seen that, right? Oh, I have. Um, you know I would love to see a live-action version of? What? Black Cauldron. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I actually just saw that for the first time recently because I was sort of like deciding to go down a route where I watched some of the uh, dark, dark times of Disney where they were sort of like failing um, and they were doing dark movies and dark horror and dark stuff and, and whatnot. And that was one of them. Fantasia. Oh yeah. Um, Fantasia would be such a great remake if they could do that. I know they did Fantasia 2000. Be cool to have like Fantasia 2025. You know, Ooh. I would love that. Like if they could bring that back, that would be a great Halloween thing, you know. Um, oh. yeah, I mean, Disney has so many things in their library in their vault, and they're just sitting on them, you know. And I get it because it costs a lot of money, and they have to do things that like they're able to, you know. But I don't know. I I'd, I'd like to see this shit, you know. So, oh, and they actually did back. A little recently, the last uh, Halloween too with uh, Werewolf by uh, Night. Yeah, with the uh, some Marvel stuff. They're they're getting into the supernatural side of Marvel, so that's good. Um, so real quick for Ghost Ship, I wanted to kind of bring up a couple things. Um, so does it say okay? The budget was how much would you guess the budget was for this movie? Ooh. I'm gonna go in the ballpark. I'm gonna say uh, 180 million. What? Really? Wow! I mean, that cruise liner can't be cheap. 20 million. 20 million. Yeah. Do you know how much it grossed? Oh, I'm worldwide. Afraid. Probably not good. Actually, <laughs> uh, better than you think. Oh, did it make uh, 50 mil? Higher. Oh, 80? Less. 75? 68. $68,349,884. So I'm surprised. And that's just theater. Like, imagine, like, getting it on DVD and Blu-ray or whatever. And I'm sure it did really well on those those sales. Um, I'm surprised they never did a Ghost Ship 2. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, the only thing i could come up with because i started thinking about more when we were talking about this uh in a lot of ways go uh all ghost ship really is it's house on haunted hill but on a boat it's true um and and wait until you see the uh, uh the, the sequel the one that you have all you have all like on that uh, disc of uh, the return of house on hill when you watch that you'll probably find even more similarities in that one uh than even the original for ghost ship oh wow I'm, I'm not gonna give it away because I don't. I, I want you to go into it completely fresh and clear. Uh, so I'm not gonna give out any pointers or, or, or uh, details, but definitely when you watch it, man, and uh, we'll definitely uh, if you, we can have a fun chat about it. Uh, you know, even if it's not the podcast, you know, I can just hang out and talk and yeah, and, and shoot the breeze about it. I mean, well, you know, I might do Return of uh, House on Haunted Hill uh, as one of my next episodes because I've already done the other two on this you know thing why not and uh so it finishes up that uh 
Blu-ray collection. Um, plus, I like I said, I haven't seen it, so I have no idea whether I, I've seen the original. I mean, I've seen the original House on a Hill, then I've seen the remake of House on a Hill. Uh, remake of House on a Hill was pretty damn good. Oh, um, yeah. I, well, all I could remember though was there was a guy who owned a, like a, uh, uh, you know, amusement park or something, and he had like. And that like the the tracks like messed up or whatever and the, the people like flew off and then flew back on or whatever, you know, okay. and, and stuff. So um someone who played uh Captain uh, Barboza in the um uh Pirate Go Caribbean movies. Um I'm trying to blank on his name too. I I'm having a blank kind of night on actress. Me movie. too. Uh, You're not the uh, only one. I think oh, it's because uh, I've been Gregory Rush. <laughs> Gregory Rush. Yeah, he was um, great. That. Uh, like in my opinion, him and uh, uh, Frankie Jensen, uh, uh, um, I felt like they were two of the most biggest uh, standouts. Uh, although I knew what uh, Ty Diggs actually did a really good job in that too. Actually, um, um, uh, I, I will say the uh, uh, the sequel. I wouldn't say it's as good as the uh, remake, uh, but it's still good. I, I enjoyed it. Okay, so House House on a Haunted Hill, the original. Like the remake was nineteen ninety nine, which um so it'd have to go on nineties horror at some point. So I'll have to have you on that show, and then I'll have you uh, and then we would have already covered Return of uh, Return of House on Hill. So um, but I'd love to have you on with Madeline Deering, and we can all talk about uh the original House on Haunted Hill remake, you know, oh. and stuff. That'd be fun, you know. Oh. All right. Get well, another opinion thrown in the mix. <laughs> what? We can have another opinion thrown throw in the mix. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, I always love Maddie's opinions. I don't know if you do. You know Madeline Deering? Oh, we're friends on uh, Facebook. I, I, I like you. Know, I know uh, you know, we're kind of like you know. I, I wouldn't say we're really great friends, but like you know, I know she's liked a lot of like my uh, stuff that I posted. I like a lot of stuff that that she posted. Uh, so I mean, I would love to actually be able to meet her like on a video televised conference. Well, there you go. We'll have to set that up. You know. Um. Yeah, so it's funny because I have her for 90s horror. I've got you for horror film. I've just got Rebecca Reinhardt for 80s horror. So we got, you know, a whole group of different people's like opinions and everything. And everybody everybody has a different opinion, which is great. Um, you know, there's certain things that you'll probably like more than she either of them would like, you know, and vice versa. You know, that kind of thing. So um, everybody, thank you guys so much for checking this out. Uh, we will be back uh, next month for Michael's pick. I don't know what he has planned yet, um, but I'm sure he's got something up his sleeve. Um, uh, remember, Michael, it's something that from after 2000 or before the 80s. So it has to be one of those, you know, uh, one of those because the other ones fall into the other categories. So I want to keep them, keep those going so I don't overlap or or. There's already been an issue where I did or I did um, just a disturbing behavior for the 90s horror and I had already done it for another review. But I was like, yeah, you know, that was a video review. This is an audio review different. And to be honest, we kind of went off on our own little tangents, even worse than ours. Like we barely talked about disturbing behavior um, <laughs> kind of covered like few the few things everything else was but every other movie in the world that we could talk about so um but it was fun and so 
that should be coming out or like right after this one comes out or around the same time. So um, check that out this month. Uh, and if you guys have any questions or if there's a movie that you would like us to cover, send us a message and we'll see if uh, there's something from either the 2000s or pre 80s, um, you know, that, you know, we love. And I, I have a feeling like Mike likes to do the ones that are, you know, pre 80s and everything. So excited to see that. They're definitely classics. <laughs> definitely. All right. Well, everybody have a good one and we'll talk to you later.